When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk Preview Time, week three of the 2020 football season. Scheduled Ohio State to host Buffalo in week three. And as you know, as a loyal Buckeye Talk listener, we are previewing every game on the schedule. We have done Bowling Green. Did that two weeks ago. We did Oregon last week. This is your Thursday standalone pod. Not the big one. The big one Wednesday, we did 20 questions. And Nathan and Stephen and I went through and debated for five minutes each every topic. Good Wednesday pod. This is your Thursday pod. It's just Buffalo and it's just me and Lance Leipold. That's not some guy who covers Buffalo. That's the Buffalo coach. He agreed to talk to us. How about that? An actual guest on Buckeye Talk. Lance and I talked for 40 minutes. Ohio State and Buffalo have played once before in 2013, the Khalil Mack game. Ohio State fans remember that. Lance was not the head coach then. He took over in 2015. And you just need to know the deal here with this guy, okay? He was a Division Three legend, like absolute legend. He was the head coach at Wisconsin Whitewater from 2007 to 2014. That's eight years. In eight years, he won six national championships. Between 2009 and 2011, they didn't lose. They went 45-0 and and won the title every year. Four, four playoff games you have to win every year. This is the Mount Union level, and they were a burr in the saddle of Mount Union. And, and if you know Ohio football, you know how good Mount Union is. Here are the championship games while Lance Leipold was the head coach at Wisconsin Whitewater. He uh, he takes over in 2007. National title game, Wisconsin Whitewater beats Mount Union 31-21. 2008, Mount Union beats Wisconsin Whitewater 31-26. 2009, Wisconsin Whitewater beats Mount Union by 10. Then they beat Mount Union by 10 again. Then they beat Mount Union by 3. 2012, Mount Union beat St. Thomas in Minnesota, down year for Whitewater. Then two more years, Whitewater over Mount Union, 52-14. Whitewater over Mount Union, 43-34. So this guy, every year that Whitewater won, they beat Mount Union. He was 6-1 against Mount Union in the Division Three national title game. Then he was looking for something else. 
And Lance and I talked about this, and he went to Buffalo. So that's the guy who is now in charge of the team that's coming in to play Ohio State in Week 3. He is entering year six at Buffalo, starting in 2015 at Buffalo. Five and seven, two and ten, six and six, ten and four, eight and five. The last two years, as much success as Buffalo has ever had. They have most of their team back, most of the important pieces. Bill Connolly at ESPN did his offseason previews with the SP Plus formula. He has Buffalo projected to go nine, excuse me, seven and five. Bill Connolly. As good as there is at projecting this kind of stuff. He says Buffalo 7-5. and five. He has them as the second highest rating in the MAC, Behind only Ohio. He has Ohio ranked 67th in the country at the SP+. He has Buffalo ranked 80th. So kind of a logjam in the MAC. A lot of good teams like around 80, 85. But we're predicting Buffalo second best team in the MAC, 80th best team in the country. Coming to Ohio Stadium week 3. To play Ohio State for the second time in program history. Lance and I talk about why he came to Buffalo, what it's been like building the program, what they have back on offense and defense. If you care about Ohio State football, you will know more about Buffalo after the next 40 minutes than you do now. My thanks to Lance for joining me. Get ready for a conversation with Buffalo head coach Lance Leipold coming next on Buckeye Talk. Oh, did I say I'm Doug? Do you guys not know? Did I say it? I'm Doug. You know that, right? I'm Doug. I'm Doug. I'm the talker guy. Lance, he's the coach. All right, here we go. And did I not say try the text? I didn't say any of the stuff. Right, try the text so you can ask questions, so you can be a friend of the pod. You got, like, you know, the thing I say all the time, 614-350-3315. Read our stories at cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop a review for the podcast at Apple Podcasts. Right? Subscribe to the pod. You get it. Weekdays, Monday through Friday. We do it five days a week. I'm a little off because I actually, because an actual football person talked to us on the podcast. I'm a little thrown off. Um, Oh, and I wanted to read one more thing. I forgot to read this on the Wednesday pod, but I wanted to because this was a person who uh, was thinking about us. And this is what Buckeye Talk does to people. So instead of trying to think up a question, We did 20 questions on the Wednesday pod. One of the texters sent this. Hey, Doug, funny story. I was trying to think of a good question for the pod when I went to bed last night. So I ended up having a dream that I was on vacation in the Bahamas and ran into you and your family. I was like, hey, Doug, and introduced you to my family and said, this is Doug, the Buckeye talk guy. I said, it's me, Roger, um, the tech subscriber. What was really funny is you had a Rick James haircut and a big mustache I was trying to ask you about the hair and you yelled at me and said, no Buckeye talk on vacation. I think the daily pods are getting you in my head too much. LOL. I will leave my dream story only instead of a question. Next t-shirt slogan, no Buckeye talk on vacation for you or for me. And that a on vacation, I would have a Rick James haircut and B. If someone said hello to me, I very well might yell at them. Not really. If you see me on vacation, say hello. It's probably at Disney World. But I love it. And then, I, coincidentally, the dream was in the Bahamas. The first bowl game that Buffalo ever won in its history was last year. It was in the Bahamas Bowl. So maybe I should have told Lance about this dream, but I didn't. Anyway, all right. Here's the coach. 
All right, so happy to be joined on Buckeye Talk by Lance Leipold, the head coach at Buffalo, which is coming off. Lance, I, I got to tell you, you guys had a better postseason than Ohio State last year. Ohio State went to Arizona. I was there. It was rainy and overcast the whole time. They lose. All the fans are mad at the officials after the Clemson loss. You guys went to the Bahamas and won the first bowl game in Buffalo history. This must have been – are you still feeling the Bahamas vibe and more – more than the Bahamas vibe, but the victory vibe of winning the first bowl game in Buffalo history. How big of a deal was that for you guys? You know, Doug, it was a lot bigger probably than I than I first imagined because, uh, you know, a lot of things in our five years here in, in, in trying to build our program and build the consistency that we're looking for and and all those things. But to to really take that positive momentum – and and put it into in into the off season now. Obviously, under the circumstances, we've we, we've that's kind of been stymied a little bit, but it, it's still the it, it's still been great. Um, a year before, we won ten games, but lost three of our last four. Lost our bowl game. Lost in the conference championship. Even though we had won ten games, you know you're you're still not heading in with that momentum that you were hoping to. So seeing that, having a chance to go to the Bahamas and and. I know it's kind of cliche sometimes, but when you talk about student-athlete experience and things like that, for many of our players to stay at the Atlantis Resort and 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 do some of the things, those are once-in-a-lifetime experiences, and uh, overall, it was a great trip. So, you know, we're talking about Buffalo football, and I can imagine people go backwards with you sometimes because you were so successful at Wisconsin-Whitewater. But I think the interesting thing there is you've won – so much in your football career and but now here you are at Buffalo which what you guys are doing now is sort of as good as Buffalo has ever been I thought that was interesting what you said that maybe you didn't even initially realize Mm -hmm. what that bowl win would be not that you take it for granted but listen Lance you've won a lot Mm -hmm. but there are people who love Buffalo football who who haven't won as much in their life and that was kind of a high watermark for them Yes, I think so. I, you know, there's things about, uh, you know, I, I look back at five and a half years ago and what a whirlwind it was to even get this opportunity, uh, you know, here at the University of Buffalo to, to be able to make the jump from division three to FBS football. And sometimes, you know, especially as it plays out, you don't even have enough time to really dive into it or, or really you're not going to pass up what I believe was a great opportunity, maybe one of a lifetime. But growing up in Wisconsin, living in Nebraska and Wisconsin my whole life, not a lot of knowledge about Buffalo. And, and you know, probably if you're looking at the Mid-American Conference, there's probably a lot more, at least just like most people, watching Maction during the week as a football coach. You're watching Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, Toledo, because those were the closest schools to us. So to find out that we've only been an FBS program for since 1999, um, you know, a, a program that, you know, had made the jump but wasn't quite ready in all capacities and, and went through a lot of growing pains. And now for us to be able to put three seasons together that haven't really been done in over 70 years is is really gratifying. You couple that with really being in the city of Buffalo or uh, the outskirts of Buffalo and, and, this, and western New York, there's still a passion for successful football, much like in Cleveland. 
you know, there's some things, but there's a lot of people that remember the Bills, you know, you know, runs to the Super Bowl and, and they're passionate for winning football and they know what good football is. And, uh, and once we get a chance to be there and, and show this consistency, I, I think it's been a benefit. So Lance, I think sometimes when teams have great seasons and you guys, again, you had a 10 win season and now you're coming off a season that ended with the first bowl win in program history. Sometimes I think even as a coach, you would admit you see a peak, right? Wow. We really, everything came together. We had all the right guys and that was the culmination, but you have so much back from last year's team it, from the outside. It looks like that wasn't, that wasn't like a culmination that to me looks like this is now what you would think Buffalo football can be on a regular basis. Cause I have to imagine you feel like whatever last year's team did this year's team has that same kind of potential. Well, uh, we hope so. You know, uh, I, I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, you know, my past job, uh, I know many of your, your, your listeners and people that, that follow things are going to know the success of Mount Union football and, and Larry and Vince Karras and Jason Candle's doing that at, at Toledo and, and how that kind of goes, goes through some things. But, um, the, the day we came here, we, the, you know, Danny White, now the athletic director at the University of, of Central Florida hired me. And we talked about wanting to build a consistent winner. Now, what's a consistent winner? You know, this conference is so balanced. You know, you can see, um, you know, the ebbs and flows of based of, of different champions. So consistency to us was try to be a consistent bowl participant and then try to win the East Division and, and then, of course, play for the conference championship. But as we went through that, we started to have it. But quite honestly, I'm, I'm not sure how much uh, you probably didn't follow us that a year ago. We thought also that we were in a great position. Our quarterback, Tyree Jackson, was the player of the year in the Mid-American Conference. He declared for the draft early. Uh, two other offensive weapons, grad transferred to, to Power 5 schools. So we thought we were kind of building that thing, you know, in a portion uh, that we were going to have the consistency. And there was a little bit of a, you know, a hangover from that, that we're just kind of that what happened here and, and, and guys have departed before we expected. And uh, it took us a little bit to, and, and self-included that I had to sit there and go, Hey, we got a lot of really good football players still here. And our, but we had to get our players to believe that. And, and once that happened to get to eight wins, is really a tribute to them. It's a tribute to, to our assistant coaches. And now, like you said, all of a sudden you start looking back and, and through some of those defections, you get a little younger, but if you can weather those storms, now all of a sudden you, you come back to play in here where, where if you can stay healthy, if we can do some things, I think we have a chance to be a very good football team. So the only other time that Ohio State and Buffalo have played in program history I think all Ohio State fans remember this well. Here comes Buffalo in 2013. It's like, okay, here, you know, people maybe don't know a lot about Buffalo. Buffalo and immediately everybody is like, who is that guy? And Ohio State had a sophomore offensive tackle who was just becoming a starter that year, Taylor Decker. And it was like, Taylor Decker, what happened to you in that game? You couldn't block that guy. It was like, oh, I don't know if Taylor Decker is going to be very good. Taylor Decker grows up to be a first round draft pick in the NFL. It just so happened he was trying to block Khalil Mack that day. I know you guys had a Mack. You had Ladarius Mack last year, right? Still, do you have any more Macs left or do do Ohio State fans have to be worried that more Macs are coming to invade Columbus? 
unfortunately, we don't right now, but I'm searching, uh, you know, the uh, databases of any recruiting service that we may get or any high school. Uh, a couple years back before Ladarius uh, joined us, uh, we were not here when, when Khalil played. Um, but uh, we, we had a middle linebacker that uh, was one of our leading tacklers all time in three seasons. His name was Khalil Hodge. So I kind of said, we're going to look for Khalil's and we're going to look for Max and we'll try to do the best we can off of that. But um, it's, it, it's, you know, you, you mentioned that game and even in our short time coming, uh, you know, we played Penn state now twice in our five seasons, but usually with our boosters or alums, when we play a power five opponent, in some capacity, that Ohio State game by Cleo Mack comes up uh, sometime in conversation on how well he played. And I think that really put him on the map, so to speak, as far as being a first-round draft pick when, again, when you get a chance to play against elite competition. And that's kind of what some of these games for mid-American schools when we step into Big Ten stadiums or Power Five stadiums, what what the opportunity for the individual um, you know, can be in, in those matchups. So Lance, again, I just think your, your background is so fascinating because you, you came, you were in a situation where every time I would imagine every game that you took the field at Whitewater, you thought we're going to win. Now you can't win a hundred percent of them, but you almost won a hundred percent of them. That idea, that is a rare thing, right? I mean, everybody has a belief in themselves and their team and their program, but, but honestly, that's the level you guys were at. And now when you come to a place like Buffalo, I'm sure every time you step on the field against Mac competition, you feel that. But we know that there's just a challenge when you're facing a Penn State or an Ohio State. But I know when you – that first year, you guys at Penn State were in the game down – what, down one score in the fourth quarter? I'm just curious for you as a coach, the emotions, the feelings, the energy that you felt at different times as a head coach. What's it like – okay – Listen, we're at Whitewater, and we are we are competing at the highest level every game. And then here you are with your with an underdog team mm-hmm. on the field at Penn State, fighting for yeah. sixty minutes. That emotion of maybe we're not going to win this, but my gosh, what an experience! And we fought till the end, and we believed we could win. Mm-hmm. What was that like? What's what are those two experiences like as a head coach? Well, I'll try to answer those best I can. You know, the, the part of Whitewater, and I, and I say again for, for everyone that, you know, relates with, with Mount Union and things, those are great experiences. It, it's great for the um, competition, expectations, all those things, your culture. But, you know, I can always, I always, I say I joke, but it was very truthful. We'd have people call the football office in like late August, early September, and ask um, what hotel we were staying at in Salem, Virginia for the championship game. Uh, now that's not, that's not like going to like, you know, Ohio state, Michigan, the winner, you know, in the seventies and eighties going to go to the Rose bowl. This is like, you got to win four playoff games, stay healthy. We, we felt we played in like the sec big 10 of division three football in Wisconsin. So it was very competitive and anything can happen. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, balances within the conference. So it, it, that part, and, and honestly, that was the part that, that started to wear on me because I felt, I, I felt the, the part for our players as well, that anything less than a perfect season was almost looked like as failure. And I don't think that's the, the way it was meant to be. And, um, 
So when the, when, when the challenges come, as you say, that, that, that's the part. You want that expectation, but you didn't want it to. And there were times that, you know, wins were reliefs. You know, you, you kind of, it's, you know, win and survive. It's, you know, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes, uh, uh, and those were some of the feelings that led to, to taking this job, never thinking it would be at the FBS level. But I, I've always said uh, very early when I was done being a graduate assistant, at the University of Wisconsin, which I, my time under Barry Alvarez in the early days has kind of helped prepare in some of these situations when you're an underdog quite often. But I was a Division II uh, assistant coach at the University of Nebraska Omaha, and uh, we were one in ten, three and eight, and then ten and two. And I many many times have said that that those three seasons in a in a small component of my career was some of the most fulfilling. And when, when I was looking, if I was ever going to leave Whitewater, which was an outstanding job, it was 15 miles from my hometown, all those things, I wanted to try to take a, a shot at being the head coach and lead a program, but build a program and, and take one that hadn't had a lot of success and, and take a swing at it. And if it works, it works. And, uh, you know, but at least I would answer that to myself and, uh, and for our staff. So to, to walk into those stadiums, um, like you said, we had the ball down six to start the fourth quarter in 2015 in Happy Valley. Um, we took the lead this year um, right before the half. Uh, I think it was to go up 10-7. Uh, I think it was, again, against Penn State. Those are moments that, you know, our guys take into it. It's tough because um, though you feel it, and I'll say we, we went into uh, Minnesota and played in P.J. Flex first season there. Um down seven with two minutes to go. They kick a field goal, go up 10. We lose by 10. Our boosters, our people sense it. I, you never want to get into the factor of moral victories, though, because right. if you get into that, I, you, your program's never going to get, you know, we're not there to just, you know, A, take a paycheck or B, try to keep it close and, and feel like you got something out of it. But there's a lot of things you can you can build off of that and, and, and playing these games and getting them to the fourth quarter and then see what happens from there, I think are, are to be monumental. And I think all those games I just talked about did help our team mentally and, and for a program with not a lot of success in its history, it can help build the confidence and you can go back to work the next week, get ready for, for, for another game and another victory. So do you coach – a game like that in any way any differently than when you're trying to win a really competitive Mac game, right? What is any of your message, any of your preparation, any of the way that you call the game, right? Is anything different when you are going on to the road on the road against a top 25 team? Well, I, I think it all depends. You, you look how, how talented Ohio state was last year and they probably are this year. Um, you know, I, I haven't broken it down by personnel, but you could look at what Chuck Martin did at Miami last year and, and how that was a lopsided game. But yet Chuck's team, we played them shortly thereafter. I think it might have been the next week and they beat us. So, um, you know, there are some things there that, you know, you got to be smart. You got to be healthy. Um, you, you know, are you going to rotate more guys? It, it all kind of it's probably a feel of how it goes. Um you know, I can remember Coach Alvarez saying a lot of times is, you know, the in many ways the pressure, I say the word pressure is is probably not the right word, but it's on them. They're the ones with the with the expectations usually to blow out 
the, the mid-American opponent. So if you make this, you know, you battled like we did last year at Penn State, we battled for 30 minutes. We we're hoping again to get it like it was that first year. If you get it into the fourth quarter and it's close, then, then you, you know, anything's going to happen. Okay. And, and then you find out. So battle, get it into the fourth quarter and, and let's see what it is. Sometimes you're going to have to take more risks. Um, you know, us, you know, we had a lot of, you know, we had a block punt and our punter fractured his leg. We threw a pick six. I mean, the wheels kind of came off there in the third quarter last year. You got to find a way to prevent that so it doesn't steamroll on you. But, you know, I, I guess in the short of it is let's battle. Let's, let's, you know, you can try to shorten games. Some people have that philosophy. We, we take it on a case by case, but let's get that thing into the fourth quarter and uh, do everything we can there and then see where it is. But, when you play games in September, I'm kind of talking on both sides. You've got to find a way that uh, you are healthy and, uh, and 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 can can compete for your conference championship. So, Lance, you're the coach. I'm not a coach. I'm just a guy who's been writing about this for 15 years. But this is what I think. Sometimes when I see teams come into Ohio Stadium, this is my strategy. Tell me where this is wrong. Offensively, don't run wide. Try to hit them up the middle with quick hitters because if you try to run wide on a defense like Ohio State's, they're going to track you down because they have so much speed. And then throw to the edges so you're not trying to get stuff clogged up in the middle, even though they have great corners. Maybe you can hit them a little bit one-on-one. Is that a good strategy or am I just making things up? No, I think it's a solid, you know, a solid strategy. Uh, you know, as we haven't started, we started some preliminary stuff on last year's for why we've been quarantined here. But yes, I, I, your point about the, the speed and athleticism. Okay. Where, where do most, most things happen? Why are guys in the Big Ten maybe versus, um, Mid American Conference versus, unless he's a late developer, you know, i.e. Cleo Mack or something like that. Someone's overlooked. It's, it's probably speed and length. So you've got to watch out for those things. Then the other part, of course, is then the depth. Uh, that's so you got to watch out as you get, uh, and you got to try to stay fresh as you can. But I, I, I don't disagree at all with trying to. Uh, but the the part is though, are you are you as strong as them? So running downhill, what what are you going to get movement wise? But you you've got to be able to take your vertical shots, try to make some things happen. You're not probably going to drive the ball. 12 plays and 75 yards, you know, against a defense like that. So, um, and of course, uh, try to prevent the big play and the explosive plays on the other side of the ball. That, that's what you have to try to do. And again, and then be a solid and, and create some hidden yardage plays through special teams. I want to get into to some specifics about your team, Lance. But first, I'm just curious, a guy like you, here we are in quarantine. Are you just like doodling yourself? into craziness are you just coming up with all kinds of new fancy plays or what are football coaches doing right now well uh, i you know the guys that i've talked to i think our lives have become you know pretty consistent across the country in some capacity is you know uh, now we start our second semester a little bit later our players are just starting their finals this week but in the but up until then we we've, we've been interacting on almost a daily basis with them um at the early part of the quarantine it was about them and their how are they doing? Their their mental health, their adjustment, the unknowns, academic transitions, all those things. And then we gravitated back into some of the football things we needed to do. Obviously, I, I think we're getting a different type of recruiting done. And uh, honestly, 
Doug, I, I find myself busier now almost in some ways than I did before because you used to have 10 assistants out recruiting. Now I've got 10, 10 guys that want me to do, you know, hey, can you follow up with this guy, do this, do this. Um, it's been interesting, the, the, the consistency of being able to get some work done. Um, we take a portion of our day to work on current football things. We're doing parts on recruiting. We're doing parts on uh, continuing our self studies and and those things. So it's been it's been pretty fluid, and I think many of us have learned how are we going to be able to work more efficiently and um, you know smarter along the way. I just hope that we don't grind our assistant coaches now. Now that we can zoom meetings and have them zoom their players, even when they do get that whatever that is five days off all year. Right. But it's been it's been unique. I think it's the adjustment and and you know to the families and being home and um, this is the most I've been home since I've taken this job and and there's been some good things about it that uh, I, I definitely will remember as well. But anxious to get back at it. All right. So if we dig in a little bit on the defensive side of the ball for you guys, Lance Taylor Riggins and Malcolm Coons guys both had more than eight sacks a year ago. Um, we were joking about the max earlier on, but but it feels like I mean, do you think you guys should be able to get after the passer a little bit with, with some of the guys you have back on defense. And just in general, how do you feel about your team on the defensive side of the ball at this point? Um, overall, like for the season, I, I think I, you know, I'm not going to say we're going to get to the quarterback, uh, you know, in, in, in Columbus, but uh, I, I like what we have coming back. We have a lot of returning back on, on defense. Like you said, Taylor, Taylor Riggins and Malcolm Coons have really emerged as consistent. Taylor Riggins has been as consistent uh, of a player as we've had. Um, you know, it's been interesting. Uh, he replaced a guy by the name of Chuck Harris, who's actually on the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad. Um, so he's a really only a first-year starter. Malcolm Coons has more of the length that you're looking for in a guy and great quickness. Um, they've continued to, to play extremely well and we'll need them to do so. But I think a big part of what they've been able to do has been our play inside as well, our defensive tackles and, and returning with, uh, he'll be a junior, Eddie Wilson, but he started probably half the season as a true freshman two years ago. Um, Ron McGee is, uh, uh, is moving into the starting lineup as well. We, we like what we're getting out of our defensive tackles. That has allowed those ends to play well. When you think about um, defensive football in the MAC, I know Ohio State uh, had, for many years, had played sort of a press man coverage where they sort of said, "We're gonna man you up, and we like the skill of our guys, and here we go." And then last year, Ryan Day went to more of a varied look, uh, mixing up some cover one and cover threes. Um, what do you guys like to do defensively? Do you want to do multiple looks? Do you want to say this is what we do best, and we're gonna do that? most downs and and if you can beat us you can beat us what's your defensive philosophy and maybe especially against uh, when you're playing again a step up like against Ohio State how do you go about it yeah you know matchups will always be the issue when 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 you play a team with the with with the talent of Ohio State Uh, you know we're a four-man front we're we're basically a cover four team on the back end and and then off of that we'll show our different looks so um you know, uh, Brian Borland, our defensive coordinator, um, and for the Ohio State fans, it's the uncle of Tough Borland. It is. Uh, it's Tough Borland's uncle. I'm getting the scoop here from you, Lance. I didn't know that. Yes, and Tough's brother, Tough's brother, uh, uh, Trevor, is a freshman with us. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, wow. I've been, Tough, Tough Borland really developed at the 
Wisconsin Whitewater football youth camp back in uh, back as a youngster. We we take all the credit for Tufts development. So, uh, but uh, and yeah. I guess you remember that guy, right? Because you probably come back from camp and say there was a guy at, at camp whose name is Tough. Yeah, well, Brian uh, Tufts' father grew and 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 Tufts' grandfather was the high school football coach five miles away from my hometown. So I've known the Borland family. Brian and I are our defensive coordinator have known each other since kids Tufts father Kyle was an outstanding linebacker at Wisconsin known him forever uh great family and uh, you know again so happy for Tufts uh Tufts uh career so far um but yeah Brian's been with me uh he's done an outstanding job as, as our coordinator he's he's gonna make people beat him uh by by being consistent down the field um, but we're, we're going to show enough different looks that we're going to cause disruption. But um, we've really simplified some things last year, or really over the last couple of years. And, uh, and I, I think it's really helped us kind of climb the charts of the Mid-American Conference. And last year, we were one of the top defenses in, in, in the – we were the top defense in the league and actually ranked nationally in some. And hopefully we can build upon that. All right, offensive side of the ball, I think this happens, right, with, with great MAC teams sometimes. You, you know, as we said, obviously across the board, you're going to say, yeah, we're an underdog in, in a lot of spots. But, man, there are just some great skill guys, as we know. You know better than I do in the MAC sometimes. And when you look at Jarrett Patterson and see 1799 rushing yards last year on 312 carries, um, what does it do just – I mean, I know it's a group effort, but to have a guy like that um, – as part of your offense and coming back. Yes, he, he really emerged about halfway through his true freshman season for us. Uh, Jared's an outstanding young man, outstanding back. Um, we think we got an excellent one-two punch. Um, I mentioned earlier in our, in our interview here that, uh, you know, we took, uh, we took some unexpected hits yeah. on the offense side of the ball last year, but where, where we had experience was up front in the offensive line. And we made the decision that we would definitely hang our hat on that and build upon things, um, you know, with our run game. Our our starting quarterback, start the year, Matt Myers, was hurt in the Miami of Ohio game week five, lost him for the season. And Kyle Van Treese, uh, still Ohio guy, really came in, did a great job. Um, but still, so you're, you're, you're transitioning quarterbacks. You lost some skill guys on the outside that you thought you had a chance. So what do you do? You, you're going to try to at least establish yourself physically. And uh, that's where Jared kind of really carried us, and we found different ways to utilize him. He's not the biggest back, um, but he can make people miss and do some things. Uh, he breaks breaks a fair amount of tackles, can bounce off some people. And, again, like you said, uh, I think he's really kind of put himself on the map here. And then we've got a, a Kevin Marks, his backup, had an excellent year as well. And they really complement because, you know, uh, Kevin's a little bit bigger, a little bit more of a longer strider, so their running styles – I guess really complement each other as well. And uh, the way we're utilizing our tight ends and different looks, you know, again, we, we try to find ways to create extra gaps and do some things and to allow those guys to show, show what they can do. Lance, you mentioned the, the quarterback situation, obviously Matt getting hurt last year, Kyle coming in. Where are you now with that? How do you work something like that when you had a starter who got injured and a backup who came in and did the job for you? Um, is it, is it a, competition do you imagine that you might play both those guys I would imagine spring ball might have helped with this but where where do you think you are right now with quarterbacks <laughs> well I wish I could answer that uh you know we were one of the few that did get 
some spring practices in, but uh, Kyle was actually working off a foot injury and he didn't practice at all this oh. spring. And it did. So um, it's hard to say when uh, we actually will get those guys back on the field at the same time. But, uh, uh, you know, Kyle had a start as a true freshman a couple of years ago, and then he was a backup and we were able to redshirt him. And, uh, you know, it's, it, we feel we have two very capable quarterbacks that, that can lead us, um, you know, uh, you know, to, to compete for a championship. So we're excited about it. We just got to see how we're going to be, uh, you know, when we get to, to camp. And then um, as we wind down here, Lance, the, uh, there's always talk about, um, you know, the financial aspect of things in the Mac, but, um, you know, a place like Ohio State, sometimes, you know, they're putting a waterfall in the locker room or a barber shop in the locker room. And it's like, is that, you know, is that what this is all about? But it, it, just reading from the outside, it feels like you guys did something with your facility that, that to me, I mean, it feels like this is a foundational thing, potentially program changing with, with the upgrades that you guys have done with your football facility. How big is that? for what you talk about with program building and, and where you want this Buffalo program to be? Well, I'm assuming you're talking about our indoor practice facility yeah. um, is, I guess that was probably the one in my first couple of years um, when I would talk to, you know, fellow peers or old friends and different, but they, they were a little bit astounded that there wasn't an on-campus indoor practice facility in Buffalo, New York. So um, we had a great relationship with the Buffalo Bills, but it's, you know, it was a 30 minute bus ride. And, uh, you know, I say to people, we're, we're competing for the conference championship and practicing at 9 PM at night, busing down and getting back at midnight, you know, that's, and that's not conducive to what you want to try to get done. So it's been game changing and, you know, they're great for recruiting. Yes. They're great for practice. But the part that I, you know, we go back to the very beginning of our talk, Doug, is that what I didn't always understand is, to me, an indoor an indoor facility is almost like a, a basketball hoop to a basketball player somewhere inside. They have a place to go work on their craft, work on their shot. So when, when our first practice was, and I had like, you know, 10 players come up to me asking me if it's going to be open yet at the end of the night so they can go run routes or go work on something. And it's, you know, and it's still in clement weather. I really started to see what it was going to do for our program. And I'd mentioned that we had some spring practices in because we were able to move up our spring practice into late February and, and, and really the earliest we've ever been able to go. So yes, we've been able to do some things. We built some meeting rooms after my first season um, we're working on the locker room. We, we put in a fueling station. We've got to continue to improve our, our weight room. And then we're going to start being more on par to our counterparts in the Mid-American Conference and hopefully can continue to help our recruiting. And Lance, I'll finish up with this. You talked about the idea that when you chose to leave Whitewater and make this jump up to Buffalo, you wanted to go somewhere where you could build a program. You're entering year six now. Um, again, you're coming off the first bowl win in program history. You had a 10 win season. You, you are competing at the top of the Mac. Did you do what you wanted to do? Is this what you hoped for? Is this what you expected? And, and where, where can you take this now? Because I think a lot of coaches, Urban Meyer, you would, it's one thing to get up there, but sustaining that is something different, but also, and this is the great distinction, 
is sometimes you can be a great team. For a year, you can be a great team. But if you're a great program, that's a different deal. Do you feel like what you hoped for with this Buffalo move is, is what's happening right now? Um, we're on that we're on that path. We're on the way. We're nowhere near there. We haven't won a conference championship. We haven't uh, you know, we're six and six. I guess we didn't talk about, you know, we're one of two teams left out of a bowl game in uh, in 2017. You know, that that kind of stung. We were talking earlier about the momentum of winning a game. I probably should have said that. Not only did we lose some down the stretch in 2017, uh, we won our last three games. I told our guys, you win, you win out, you still got, you, you still get a bowl game, then you win out, and then some funky things happen that we didn't control, and there's too many teams. Um, but building the consistent winner, yes, I, I, we're on in the way, but again, I, I don't, you're, as, as you well know, you're only good as, uh, you know, you know, what you've done lately in this thing. So I don't know if three seasons, 500 or above are, are, are ready to say that you've done it. But, um, much like at Whitewater, we're very, very fortunate there, very proud of our consistency to play at a high level. But Doug, I don't, I don't fully just, um, evaluate myself and what what we're doing as a program based on what the win-loss record will be. I've talked about some of the things that we've been able to change. There's other things we've changed within the operation of our program through the athletic department and and, and things that we've done that we'll continue to do. Um, but there's more things in the facility game and things like that. I, I said, but obviously the economy's changing around us, but we have to continue to make improvements that we can run a uh, run our program the way I would like to to continue to do it. That's an internal challenge for Lance Leipold. That that how how we want to do and and when it's time to hand this over to somebody else, um, you know, I, I think it's always one of those things. Did you leave it better than you found it? And I think we're on the path to do that. Lance Leipold, the 78th best coach in college football history, right? Do you have that? <laughs> ranking up on your the ESPN ranking from a year ago. Lance, if I was the 78th best ranked at anything, I would have it plastered all over my house. This is Ohio State's ranking of the 150 coaches in college football history. 78th is pretty good, man. Yeah, I keep looking for a bill. So somebody's going to send me an invoice on that thing. I don't know who I owe on that, but uh, very flattering because uh, you, when you're talking about you know some of the people – We've talked about uh, there's, you know, somebody like Barry Alvarez on that list. You know, we've talked about Larry Karras, the Urban Myers. Uh, yeah, it's I, I thought the, if there was one thing not not self-included, I, I thought that what they 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 did a good job of um, trying to, um, you know, highlight uh, people from all levels. Uh, you know, a guy like Mel Churchman, Northwest Missouri State, who I know, and I, whatever, people that have been successful at all levels, they, they tried to, to, to include that to really show what college football has done all the way through the ranks. So again, uh, very humbling and flattering on that. And, uh, but, uh, the day that came out, I, I still had to take out the garbage and do other things around the house. Lance Leipold, thanks so much for your time. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing, uh, you and your Buffalo team in Columbus in week three, um, and appreciate it, and good luck in the MAC this year, too. Thanks, Doug, and uh, appreciate the opportunity. Stay safe. All right, thanks to Lance Leipold for that. Uh, enjoyed that. If The thing I was talking about at the end, if you guys don't remember this, December 2019, ESPN.com did a list of the 150 best coaches in college football history, all levels 
as Lance said. So he's 78. Um, I remember I wrote about and ripped that list because they had Urban Meyer 46, which I thought was crazy low. Woody Hayes, 9. Jim Tressel, 35th. That's a combo of Youngstown State and Ohio State. Urban Meyer, 46. John Cooper, 97. Earl Bruce, 107. Francis Schmidt, 125. So uh, Lance Leipold ahead of John Cooper and Earl Bruce and Francis Schmidt. Pretty good. Um, Next week, Rutgers. We will preview them. We'll get our Rutgers writers from NJ.com. Uh, really good writers. Uh, talk about that program. Greg Schiano taking over again back there. Um, fun stuff ahead. Nathan and, and Steven will be back for the Friday pod. We'll have a new thing coming Monday. Nathan had a new idea for, I think, how we're going to do the Monday pods. Kind of a special hook going forward. We'll talk about that more in the Friday pod. But for now, make sure you catch the big Wednesday pod. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss anything. Um, texts. What are the texts? Oh, yeah. Try it, right? 14-day free trial, 614-350-3315. couple upticks, a couple new subscribers in the last couple days. We appreciate that. Appreciate all the reviews and certainly appreciate when you guys read cleveland.com slash OSU. So, again, thanks to Lance Leipold. I'm Doug Maurice. That was our Week 3 Ohio State Buffalo preview, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>